The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, I'm in the grass! Wow. <laughs> What is my hair doing? I look terrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> Greetings from San Francisco. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 663 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, which you can't see, and unfortunately, we're all wearing black tie suits. It's pretty amazing. We got all decked out for this wonderful show, but you can't see it because this episode's audio only. I am joined this week, though, uh, dressed to the nines, as always, by Brian Altano. I'm actually completely nude. Yeah, it happens. They'll never know. We're also joined by Max Scoville. I'm just shocked that they can't see my incredible plastic surgery I got done. I got the eyebrow tuck and the face lift, and the they put poison in my face, too, to make it skinnier. The second nose is fantastic, personally. Thank uh, you. And we're also joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. And I, of course, am decked out in full bridal attire. Perfect. As I would expect. Uh, before we begin the show and talk about all the PlayStation stuff and the Beyond stuff to come, I do want to first say a happy belated birthday to our own Lucy O'Brien. Hey, thank you so much. Birthday, I, had a, I had a very nice weekend outside of San Francisco, outside of this tiny apartment that I live in in San Francisco. <laughs> it was a real delight to get out. I'm, I'm glad you're able to take some time away, uh, especially before the insanity of the fall that's about to hit us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, happens. But but speaking of that, uh, if you're wondering why we're audio only this week, it's because uh, IGN is in full Gamescom prep. We're the official media partners for Gamescom. And so the vast majority of not just our video team, but the entire IGN team is hard at work on prepping Gamescom content uh, for the days to come. And so this week we're only doing audio only. And also as a programming note for the next two weeks because of Gamescom and everything that we're producing around it there will not be any episodes of Beyond next week and the week after that so we will be back I believe it is November or November god we'll be back in November uh we'll be back September 7th I believe is the correct date I might have that wrong let me double check the calendar real quick but yeah uh September 9th it's the week of uh, Labor Day in the U.S. so unless there's huge breaking PS5 news and then yes we got to come back. We got to do yeah. the show. We, uh, you know, given our history with the show, it is very likely there will be huge PS5 news because we're taking the next two weeks off. And so uh, our video team, everyone at IGN is well aware, like, if that happens, we want to make a show and we're going to make that happen. Uh, so fear not when they announce the price and date because we took a few weeks off. We'll be there to cover it. But otherwise, uh, look forward to us back in September. Before we do uh, wrap up, though, for a few weeks, there's there's a few stories to talk about. Uh, and the first one I wanted to 
bring up is a sort of a one that caught me really by surprise. I don't know about all of you, but uh, earlier this week, Sony announced a Ghost of Tsushima co-op mode is coming to the game later this year, sometime in the fall, they've said. Uh, it's completely free. It's called Ghost of Tsushima Legends uh, and essentially is a like mystical co-op uh, experience that is for two to four players. If you're playing two players, it's essentially like a series of co-op story missions. And if you're playing four uh, four players, there's like wave-based uh, battle modes and also going to be Destiny-like raids. There will be some sort of raid that comes post-launch of this mode. Uh, it's completely free. They confirmed to us there won't be any microtransactions, like anything you earn in the game. I assume like cosmetics or skills or whatever, that is all earned via in-game. There's not going to be anything they they try to charge you for. Um, but there will be four different classes you can choose. It clearly is leaning into like some more, I'd say, dark horror-like elements. Uh, I, I thought this was really cool and unexpected. Like, hats off to them for keeping this a total surprise. Uh, what did you all think of the announcement of this? Are you looking forward to playing the mode? Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, I think I think it's fantastic that this game is just the gift that keeps on giving. Like, it, what a phenomenal success story for Sucker Punch uh, for PlayStation. The fact that like this game came out, it was totally kick ass. It was like it took me like fifty hours to to platinum, and I was like, all right, I think I'm good. And then they started adding more difficulty modes. They started adding you're adding multiplayer modes. Like this is they have a winning formula here, and I'm really excited to see how they keep building on it because it, it. I was worried that this would be one of those sort of one and done type of situations, um, but in terms of like the mileage that people are going to be getting out of this, it's it's really good to know that it's going to continue to get updates probably through the PlayStation 5's life cycle as well. Yeah, Max, what did you think about this announcement? I mean, this is this is huge. I think it also like kind of, it, what is a video game anymore? You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy to just drop this out of the blue. Um, again, like what Brian said, you look at sort of Sucker Punch's track record and, you know, I think we were all sort of expecting maybe, you know, maybe like an infamous first light type of thing. Uh, like some kind of expansion or some some sort of DLC. But this this seems like really giving it like a proper making it into a, a, you know, a service, I guess, or just a really like a, a, an ecosystem where people can hang out. And uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm personally not remotely interested in it because what <laughs> drew me to that game was that it's a big, huge uh, world to explore on my own. And the second you start having like other people in there doing the body system stuff and fighting, you know, hordes of enemies. And I also like, I totally was drawn to the fact that that game does not have any supernatural elements to it. And then they're just like, Ooh, d- demons. And it's like, okay, that's, that's, and a lot of people are going to love that. And that's awesome. And I'm happy for them. And um, yeah, it would, it would surprise me very much if this game did not get a, uh, a PS5 version that fully leans into the sort of, Hey, here's what's going on in the online side of this. Yeah. I, I do like, cause on that note, we had talked a little bit pre-launch of like whether there'd be mystical stuff hidden. And I like that the main game keeps the mythic tales and everything to like, there's this legend and they tell you the legend, but in real life, you know, it's just someone in the woods who's being an asshole to people, but <laughs> they, I, I like that at least for now, it seems like they're keeping all the mystical stuff separate into this mode. Like, I don't know if there's a sequel, if they'll, put any of this into the story campaign of like Jin's world. I kind of like the idea that at least like they get to dip a toe into both worlds, but still not suddenly just put you in the middle of the map that we know. And suddenly it's filled with monsters. Like it's, it seems to be like a crafted experience that's mm-hmm. separate, which I like. Like what I like about this is that remember there was a period of time where it felt like every single player game had this pressure to release a multiplayer component. And often these multiplayer components would just be really crap because the focus was just on the main story campaign. I like that 
you know, Ghost of Tsushima wasn't advertising this, uh, this mode during its sort of marketing cycle. It was very much like, this will be ready when it's ready. It is part of the Ghost of Tsushima experience, but it's not like something that, you know, we're kind of making, like we're forcing it onto the game. Like it's something that will be ready when it's ready. And, and I, I, I like that. It feels like that's how I want games to kind of reveal their like additional multiplayer parts from now on. Like I don't want developers to feel like they have to do it. You know, I just, I, I have confidence in it for that reason. That's a really good point, Lucy. Like, uh, I think the timing on this um, makes a really sort of awesome scenario all around in that uh, people can't be like, oh, you know, you, so- you sold me an unfinished version of the game because they- what they got was a very feature complete, very rich, very finished video game. Um, and they can't also be like, you know, you were distracted by making the multiplayer. And that's right. why the single player isn't good, which you hear that in vice versa a lot, you know. Um, because most people, I would say like the overwhelming majority of people who play this game liked it a lot. And so they, they're satisfied with it. And this is just a bonus. I can't imagine, like, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that they kept this a secret, I yeah. think. is like, that's, this is such a, this is a, a kind of thing that this is a brand new IP. You would think that they would have sort of kept this as part of the marketing gun, you know, gone guns blazing, been like, this is everything we have to offer with this game. Please buy it. Please buy it. There was a while where we were having conversation about this game on the show being like, I hope it's going to be okay. You know, I hope it, I hope it doesn't, you know, die in the shadow of the last of us or get trampled by bigger releases and sequels. And it's, you know, it's one of the fastest selling games, one of the best selling games globally. It's, it's, it's doing, it's doing excellent, but it's, it's amazing to me that they kept that multiplayer side a secret. Cause I would thought, would have thought they'd keep it as part of the marketing. Did but... any of you see this coming at all? Not no. at all. No. Yeah, not like, at all. And you know, like Brian and I did uh, an interview with uh, Jason from the sucker punch team. There've been interviews with Jason and Nate Fox at like a bunch of different outlets. They like nothing. I went back and looked at some of the interviews. I can't find anything at least where they like kind of hinted at maybe something like this. Um, I would so it's... have accidentally said it. I just oh, mean, yeah. accidentally yeah. just dropped it, you know, and then been in heaps of trouble. Because yeah, this isn't like, oh, the new game plus mode is going to be added at some point. Like, this is a a back-of-the-box feature. Like, this yeah. is a thing that would have had its own press beat if it was part of the initial release of the game. Like, It's it's crazy. I mean, I I, I feel like this is the direction things are going. Uh, I mean, looking at how GTA did it, like, GTA 5 and GTA Online were treated like different products that just you got two for the price of one. And yeah, we. I think we literally reviewed them like different products on IGN. Right? I mean, it would. It yeah. was impossible to review it at launch because, like, this the the campaign was available. Like, they were like GTA Online won't ship for a month. It, sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I think Red Dead was the same way. And it's it's super smart. I'm I'm, I'm trying to think of other games that might have possibly done this, but also the fact that I feel like co-ops in a really good place where for a while it was like co-op was was kind of got the kind of got the short end of the stick. Like you you had the competitive multiplayer side of things. And you maybe had like a little, you know, you can do some co-op on the side there. But like to have like a really robust PVE experience where people get together and do like the whole Destiny raid model is like, that's, you know, taking a, taking a page out of like World of Warcraft. It, it just seems like it's really cool to see this added on to what otherwise could have been a totally great single player game on its own. But to inject something that like, again, feels like it feels almost antithetical. Like it feels like almost like a different concept, but like clearly they're taking their time to really, you know, add that and, and, uh, I mean, have we, I don't know if we've talked about this much, but like Cyberpunk 2077 uh, is getting multiplayer at some point. 
they've talked about that. They're like, we're not going to be ready to talk about it until 2022. And I get the feeling it's going to be a similar thing where they're like, yeah, yeah, we built this entire freaking city. Like we want to make get, get some mileage out of it. Like that's, right. that's kind of a weird thing is, I mean, it almost, it's almost like a waste to create like this incredible fleshed out world and then not, not have people running around in it for years to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that speaks so much to, I think that's even something we're seeing with like Spider-Man Miles Morales, where like ostensibly it's probably going to be the same New York that we know, but you know, in a different way. And they're obviously changing. It's a different season. There's going to be new updates and whatnot to it, but like making use of what years go into production of these things. Like it's just a smart, savvy way to go about it. And like, it also keeps these games in the minds of players so that whenever there is another sequel or a new entry, whether it is Miles Morales or Spider-Man two or like Uncharted four versus Lost Legacy versus whatever comes next, like people go oh yeah i was just in that world but in a slightly different way and it ke- it keeps it fresh in their minds yeah and it's, it's it's sort of strangely antithetical to the philosophy that naughty dog's taking with the last of us too you know not to compare playstation exclusives that came out within a month a few months of each other that are <laughs> critically acclaimed and best-selling single-player games but uh naughty dog announced a while back that there will be a multiplayer component but it will be a standalone thing and so that will be a completely separate skew like that's a whole new product you have to buy download and all that um, i hope it's free to play but yeah yeah right yeah, yeah we actually don't know if it's something that you'll be paying for specifically but we do know that it it is not something that is just like included under the hood of the last of us two as we know it i mean that could change right yeah. uh but this it, is a very different situation where they just go oh we have a multiplayer mode it was a secret but now you have it and it's free well and it does speak to sony at least to me like really giving the freedom to their devs like as a publisher because the last of us was going to have a multiplayer mode like when they did the first big reveal of last of us at e3 they were talking about multiplayer mode like we have interviews where they talked about how exciting it was going to be and then they're like hey it's not, it didn't fit the scope of the project we were doing because we were so focused on this adventure. So we had to put that aside, but we're going to revisit it at some point. And it it is like, they put that entire mode away. And, you know, probably if this was a third party game, that multiplayer would have had to stay in the game. And so to see them do that, to see them let Ghost of Tsushima come out without this multiplayer mode and then have it be a free update later. I, I like this freedom and this sort of, um, the as you guys were saying like the longevity it can give games and it's just so healthy like i it's kind of mad to me that devs were ever expected to produce a robust single player campaign alongside a robust multiplayer game like that is just that's mad to me like put all your resources towards one thing and concentrate on that one thing and do it well and then move to the second thing you know Mm -hmm. and i i you know it's just as you guys have been saying like giving them the freedom to do that is so much healthier and it's just going to make for a better experience for, for all of us, you know? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why, or at least what I, my theory on, on that whole era was that um, uh, I would say that the divide between physical and digital was much larger back then with people skewing more towards physical and people had a tendency or as like we heard sort of anecdotally, maybe this trickled down every studio to almost immediately trade in single player games after they finished them and putting some sort of semblance of a multiplayer game in there kept people holding on to that disc for longer. um, Which means that, you know, the developers didn't immediately lose money on it uh, by the secondhand market. And so I think that with the shift to digital, maybe one of the good positives is that, I mean, it's not good that you can't trade in your games, but maybe it does mean that uh, developers will say, hey, we don't necessarily feel like we have to tack a multiplayer experience onto this thing. We can maybe build that out a little more at our own leisure and see where it gets. Uh, 
but I don't know. That's, that's just a theory. I do think that at some point somebody told a bunch of studios, if you don't put multiplayer in people's trade your disc in or your cart in and you, and we lose a bunch of money. So, you know, throw, throw a bunch of Samus's fighting identical versions of each other, you know, whatever <laughs> you gotta do. No, that's such a great point. Also, like, to be honest, I don't, it's been so long since I bought a physical game you know everything i just buy digitally that i've almost forgotten that that was such a key aspect of playing games you know not so long ago i think that's a very good point mm-hmm. well and that was totally such a thing of i'm thinking of a really weird juxtaposition right now and we're kind of seeing it with uh, avengers i mean i think if you spoke to most marvel fans and again like the full game's not out so we'll hold final judgment until then but if you ask most marvel fans they probably would want big cinematic adventures like marvel spider-man and not necessarily you, sorry you would, you would be amazed actually because max and i just did a video on up at noon the other day being like you know um the avengers game make, makes us miss smaller sort of single player character focused games and the like to dislike ratio was pretty pretty split a lot of people were like i want an avengers game and we were like, but wouldn't you want a Hulk game too? I think like the, a, the problem is they didn't like that we were using our imaginations to talk about what could have been as opposed to showing them the graphics of what is. Well, so the, the game is trying to be both. <laughs> it's trying to be mini games of each of those heroes, but also a game of all of them together. And it may be possible at the end of it all that both sides suffer because they didn't just focus on one. Like, we'll, we'll have Yeah, to no, it feels like a kind of jack of all trades. I mean, it's also in, inconceivable to be like, what... Like, if they were to announce that game, be like, the ultimate cinematic experience where you play as all of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, like, and then to sort of be like, but wait, more, like, you, it would be hard to not show their hand there, because they're, the whole, like, the whole big thing, like, we also got the big, um, the roster leaked, which made me a lot more interested in what the game looks like in a year from now, because they were yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna be, you know, throwing Marvel and, like, Doctor Strange. Yeah, and, like, weird yeah. stuff, like, a bunch of, like, you know, C-listers are getting thrown in there, which kind of rules, and I want to see like their different interpretation of them. I love the Death- C-listers. Bring them on! Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like, bring Death on Rock the weird... might be in there. Yeah, yeah. like Dick. I don't know, like some good. They're doing some cool, cool stuff that is also stuff we haven't seen uh, in the movie. So there's not that automatic mm-hmm. like uncanny valley of being like, oh, it doesn't look like Robert Downey Jr. I don't like it. Uh, but again, like that's it would be, it's it's so hard to market something that big because like obviously they want to tell the story and they want to have this sort of little cinematic like campaign stuff and they want to create the giant sort of ecosystem where you and your friends, uh, you know, get together and they, you know, do the raid together, whatever. And you and you want to be like, hey, this is, we're going to continue supporting this for years. But like, how do you message all of that without either uh, setting people up for disappointment at launch or, you know, launching light on features or, you know, like it's just, it's, I don't know. It's a it's, tough balance because yeah. you need you need people there day one to ensure that there's a day one thousand. You know, like the, the, it's the only way to do it. And I, there is that sort of like when do I jump in? Because like I'm I'm way more interested in getting that game when it does get to the weirder characters and like I get to see She Hulk in a video game for the first time in like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm believing that that you know, if that does happen based on the sort of the leaks and the data. But yeah, that's that's a tough sell because you do need sort of people there early on to stress test and, and say what's working and what isn't. And I think with an IP like this, obviously, you're going to get a lot of people in there that um, would give it the time of day that maybe would have skipped over something like Anthem. Yeah. Um, and I, I absolutely did skip over something like Anthem, as the numbers show. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it'll be cool when people get there early. But I don't want to get there until like there's the weird people are at the party. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a, a it's gonna come into its own, and it's not gonna be it's it's 
its best self at launch. Like yeah. it's going to be a tricky one to review because I think we all we've all seen this pattern now that games evolve. They well, become like we have the like Tom put up his review in progress and like mm. uh, somebody on Twitter was like the, the reason that that's that's staking a claim on like the SEO for the words review, which is like again I, I have this constant sort of bashing my head against like how do you review a game that is going to get three years worth of updates. Like what, yeah. is, what is the value for a static number on a early version that's going to get steamrolled over and updated with all sorts of new new patches and new characters and new content? I well, it's just I, a matter of, of yeah. re-reviewing it over and yeah. over and, and just, you know, you make that call. I think that we've seen it enough times with games that have evolved and, you know, you've just got to make the call of maturity, right? Like now is the time that this particular cheese has ripened. So we will try it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, I think that, I think the thing is, is like if you sell if you sell a product that is being sold and consumers can give you money for it, then there is a value of a sort of critical assessment of whether or not that is worth your time or money. That said, with such an evolving product, it becomes almost this moving target that's almost impossible to quantify because you don't like the the value of like if the game gets a seven point five on day one, um, but then eventually grows to a nine that nine is going to be different for some people because they've been there since day one and they love it more than ever um maybe to others it'll be it'll be worse because you missed all the cool stuff and by the time you join a year later you know you miss all these amazing conversations and things and items and exclusive drops that were only available to cricket wireless subscribers and you know <laughs> what other, what other sort of fancy horse shit they're doing with this game so here's here's a weird one to loop it back to ghost of Tsushima. but like yeah. if this game had if this game had bombed like if this game had like not even cracked the top 10 of, of game sales what would this announcement look like and like would they have i mean i i presume they wouldn't have wouldn't have entirely shelved it but i, I imagine like the tone of the conversation here would be sort of more like huh interesting well people they would have now you know i think it would have been they would have relied on it more as a sort of hail mary as a second a second life uh, opportunity for a game that didn't do well thank god that's not you know a problem that they're specifically dealing with yeah. but i do i do think they would have been like like you know ghost of sushi was back and it's bigger than ever with an all-new multiplayer mode come on guys and plus we patched the shit out of the single player campaign. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's yeah. it's weird um a game that actually uh, Ghost of Tsushima reminded me a lot of was Sleeping Dogs, which was another, that was another uh, Western studio taking a crack at like an open world game set in very much in Asian culture and being like, we're doing our best to make this authentic. And that was entirely single player and it was like great to explore. And I was like, wow, this, this really kind of reminds me of that. And then that got the worst multiplayer component possible where they were like, <laughs> Triad Wars. And it's, it was like, it was just like, it it just felt it felt cheap, you know. Like obviously, yeah. it costs money to produce, but it was like exactly it was completely hammering on the wrong parts of what made that experience good to begin with. And I mean, hopefully, in this case, it's something that's smart. It, it seems like it it's definitely a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, th- this feels like something more made because they had an idea they liked, and not because they were like, we need to add value. Whereas, like back in the Sleeping Dogs era, and I mean, like to bring up Crystal again, Crystal Dynamics's original Tomb Raider had a multiplayer mode in it. it- we love that franchise. Who remembers that multiplayer mode whatsoever? Dead Space had multiplayer. Like all these great Bioshock. single player. Bioshock 2 had, yeah, yeah, added the multiplayer. There are all these games that like people fondly remember, but multiplayer isn't a part of that fond remember. Remember Mass Effect 3 multiplayer? Oh, wow. It, Mass yeah, Effect right? 3, everyone's yeah. favorite esport. Just playing <laughs> Mass Effect 3. Gotta have multiplayer. 
I've actually completely forgotten about the last three multiplayer game that you guys have just named. I didn't, I didn't remember Tomb Raider had one. Yeah, it was, I, it was there for like a hot second. I remember it being a like thing to add money or like to add value because here's a reboot of a franchise and maybe people won't like the direction we're taking. So here's more incentive to buy it. But mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be the case with what's going on with Ghost of Tsushima. And I'm glad it's not the case, both for what you were mentioning, Brian, is like, it's not a, oh no, the game didn't sell well, here's adding more to it, but also not a like, we had to put this in. This seems like something they're excited to make. It must it must be like just very disheartening, like back in the day when those teams were tasked with adding those multiplayer modes, because it's like, you know, you've got the single player devs like doing these, this kind of like intense character work and like really interesting storytelling. And then you've got like, and now make Lara jump through these hoops to beat a time <laughs> within a certain level. You know, it's just like, yep. it must have been so dispiriting. Max, you were saying that like, uh, like you liked you liked Ghost of Tsushima because it didn't really have like a bunch of fantasy nonsense in it. I'm totally with you. I do, I do like the idea of this sort of like, I mean, obviously we had no idea what the roadmap was for this game, but the fact that like just a few months after we all finished a single player campaign, which was, you know, no, no fantasy nonsense in it. They can start to kind of like drink some moonshine and get a little yeah. crazy. You know? well, I mean, that, that's like, the thing, like Sleeping Dogs, in the DLC, you can go nuts to whatever. Sleeping Dogs had a whole like DLC where you were fighting like hopping Chinese vampires and it was like a whole thriller homage and like Red Dead did Undead Nightmare. I think yeah. it's super, I mean, look at like Far Cry Blood Dragon, like just get yeah. weird with DLC. I think that's super fun and I'm, I'm very happy to see them doing it. Yeah, me too, me too. I think, I think that like a few years from now, this game is going to, like you'll see screenshots of it, and it, you will not recognize it. Like totally. it will be, well, it'll be completely bonkers. Do you remember I'm when, when Fortnite it. launched, and it was like a bunch of like cartoon tactical people doing tower defense against zombies? Yeah, dude, I, that <laughs> yeah. was one of the most surreal. Uh, yeah. Nick Nick Chester, who's a friend of ours, came to IGN um, with some devs from Fortnite, and I played an early version of that. And I, we did a let's play together, and we published it. And I remember walking out and being like, "Well, good luck with your game, I guess. Like this should be fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know how these things go, but." And then all of a sudden, a few months later, they're like, hey, it's a battle royal now, and um, we're one of the richest companies. In that game, that, game was, that was the first game announced for Unreal 4, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, if go look up the original trailer, because it is like, it is unrecognizable. It is not look, and it looks more like uh, Sunset Overdrive than Fortnite does now. Yeah. So. I mean, that, this is totally off topic, but yeah, that, when a Fortnite was first announced, that was like, around the height of the tower defense craze when tower defense games were such a big thing and that's why it leaned in that direction mm-hmm. uh, and then they they spent seven years on the game and no one played tower defense games anymore <laughs> but they it's, were able to pivot and it worked yeah. and, and also just kudos to all the goddamn streamers and youtubers who were like hey this looks kind of interesting and they're all now billionaires mm-hmm. yep. yeah i hate you but I know. <laughs> I was like, Congrats. "Good luck with your game," and I I rent a two bedroom apartment. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't have ninja money, so clearly something went wrong for us. Um, I, I need to have a better eye for these things. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye. I've always heard that story of I think like uh, Rocket League was demoed at the IGN office at like an indie night, and everyone was like, "Yeah, it seems like a you know okay," and then it became the biggest game for the next couple of years. Uh, it's it's really funny how that stuff I'm, can I'm happen. I'm super I'm super happy that like that Fall Guys blew up the way it did because like, yeah. I, I was like I was really excited when I first played it, and like I also totally will be through the opposite where I'll be like, "This game's gonna be awesome! It's gonna be huge! I think people are gonna like it!" And then it just like is a boom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and flip side and i'll do those like well good luck with your game and then it like is massive like, 
all right, never mind. Yeah, and now Fall Guys <laughs> is... Times, I just love this, like, I'd love to see a montage of us all, like, playing these like, games that explode, and we're just like, oh, God, good luck with your game. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for clarity, we don't usually end, like, gameplay demo sessions or interviews with, like, us. Good luck. Just, like, <laughs> good luck, pulling, buddy. Out, like, pulling out a thermometer and, like, trying to guess, yeah. well, uh... Looking pretty tepid, but good luck. <laughs> oh yeah, Think at the end of day job, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> at the end of every E3 demo, I'm always like, ugh, ugh, ugh. and they're like, "Great, thanks. That that's really helpful." Yeah. Well, um, good luck with that. Lots more E3 coverage coming up after this. <laughs> uh, look forward to our Gamescom coverage. Speaking of. Um, <laughs> But sort of pivoting to, I think games we can probably guess are going to do okay. Um, I, I do definitely want to mention, because we're not going to have a show probably until weeks after these games get revealed, but uh, 100% confirmed to be revealed this week, and now we're in the midst of another series of logo teasers. Wonderful. Um, at, w, at the DC Fandom this coming weekend, we're going to get the first reveal, finally, of WB Games Montreal's uh, alleged Batman Court of Owls game, as well as Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is the Rocksteady follow-up game that was revealed via an image on Twitter. Um, I, I have no doubt in my mind that these two games, we, we were talking a little bit last week about the Suicide Squad game. I have no doubt these are going to be huge, huge games. I just don't get why this is the way they're being revealed. Um, it seems like such a weird lead up. Someone, someone pointed out specifically for the, the Court of Owls thing or the Batman, whatever the F word it is, that we first saw tease back when we worked in an office together, which was a long time ago. Um, I think... They teased it back then. I think like their internal delays are totally a thing. And you, you you can't announce the delay for a thing you haven't fully revealed yet. So I feel like it's entirely possible they were like, oops, well, let's just go quiet on that and come back to it later. I think also like this DC fandom thing is going to be very big. Like yeah. with the with the list of stuff that we're seeing, not just on the game side, but but really on the movie side and the TV side as well. Um, we're going to be seeing some massive announcements. Like this is the first time we're going to get like eyes on the Snyder Cut and details around that. Like there are going to be so many people tuned into this thing that I actually think it's the right place for these games to be revealed. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, I mean, the Snyder Cut's going to be like a HBO Max streaming exclusive thing. Video games are tremendously popular this year. Comic-Con was uh, kind of a major bust for comic book fans in general since marvel really had no presence there there wasn't much you know if any star wars stuff and dc didn't really have much to say either um it's a bizarre year because you go to stores and there's uh merchandise on the shelf for wonder woman 84 like i saw i saw toys for that the other day in target and it's like oh yeah that movie doesn't have like a release date right now and so i think people need some good news and i think people need to sort of figure out, you know, what they can be excited for. And it's nice that DC is funneling all their information into one place. And it's also nice that we don't have to look at any more of these stupid ass circles on Twitter and guess what uh, <laughs> uh, the owl game is going to be. Cause th- then we'll just know. Cause, and we've also pretty much known for like three years now. Yeah. It was going to be quarter. <laughs> I, I think that's the part that bugs me. I totally agree with all of you. I think DC fandom is going to actually end up being like the best thing for them when it comes to these games. Cause it's just going to be such a celebration of DC. But like, I think I wrote an op-ed in January about how boring the like logo teaser images things are. And, you know, we're eight months later and they're still doing logo teasers. I do totally like agree. Obviously COVID impacted um, 
everyone's development, uh, if there were internal delays in the game, has not even been officially announced. I just wish it was like at some point when they teased the logo in September and then teased the logo in January, they had just said, hey, we have a game coming, but it's not quite ready to show. Please sit tight. We'll share more when we can. Like just what do you even think, say that. What do you think those conversations were like internally? Like, should we release another logo? Like, is it time? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's, release the logo. Yeah. This it is, just feels like, definitely it yeah. feels more like uh more like the Zodiac killer than like the Riddler, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to leave like a really sporadic trail of clues over the course of months as opposed <laughs> to being like, You're hot on my trail, uh Cape Crusader, but can you solve this next puzzle? <laughs> I feel like it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo where they're like, there's no rubber masks in this episode. So whoever you see do the crime at the beginning, same dude who did it at the end. The same. So you're like, that old yeah. man is the ghost. We saw him put the ghost costume on, do some hauntings. <laughs> and at the end, you're like, he's like, who do you think I am? We're like, we've known him. <laughs> since it's the been first very 14 obvious. seconds. The and, dog and, has figured this out. <laughs> ever since Scott Snyder. <laughs> he was really, really high. <laughs> yeah. He was high in a basement making cartoon burgers all day. Like, he, he got this. Speaking of Scooby-Doo, though, man, WB is just sitting on that license, not making any Scooby-Doo games. It's, just, it's I know. Weird. It's weird. I know. It sucks, too, because they put out the movie this year, too, which my, my I would never have guessed this. My kid is completely obsessed with. Really? And it just, like, comes in. I, I've, seen, I've seen chunks of that movie, like, 200 times over the last three months. <laughs> they should make, a, like, an E-rated uh, Dead by Daylight with Scooby-Doo. Ooh, Ooh they, I would that's really like good. Asymmetrical game where like the ghost comes out and does traps, and then the the dog and the marijuana users have to outsmart it. <laughs> good luck with that game. <laughs> <laughs> hey. There are some unannounced panels at DC Fandom, so we'll see what That's happens. True. But uh, I, <laughs> Max is going to be in a huge mansion. He's like, I've been Twitch streaming Dead by Daylight Scooby-Doo for five years. <laughs> Good luck with your announcement, Scooby-Doo. We'll see how it goes. Um, but no, I mean, for me personally, like, I, I love Rocksteady. I love the Batman games. Um, so, like, e- even though Arkham Origins, which is WB Games Montreal's last game, was not the most well-received, it's definitely, I think, the least love. I think they had really good story elements and boss battles in there, and so, like, like I'm willing to see what they can do next. Like I do think they had some really good ideas in there and it's been six, seven years since they put out a game. So hopefully they've been able to put something together. But like Lucy, I know we were talking about this earlier, Batman, like there is such a hunger for a new Batman game that I think like regardless, it's just going to be such a huge game once it gets finally announced. And I, I'm sure that is a lot of pressure to have to deal with on the dev side after all this silence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm really intrigued by the Suicide Squad game. Like, I, I think that <clears throat> I, I, I've heard some rumblings that it might not look like Rocksteady's previous games. Um, and I, I, I also, like, I think that they're, I don't know about you guys, but Suicide Squad, because I'm not a massive, like, DC person, uh, Suicide Squad, the movie, left such a, like, a cringy taste in my mouth. You know, it was kind of, it, was, it had, a, had a real poochy kind of vibe to it, real poochy energy. <laughs> and, like, I, it, it's kind of, it's it's tainted this the Suicide Squad for me. So I'm really interested in a different take. I know that there's a lot of other stuff out there. Like I tweeted about how you know how it made me cringe, and everyone was like, "You should watch the the um, Harley Quinn cartoon because it's really good." And there's like great graphic novels you should read, and I know I should, but it's just that the movie was so bad. Uh, so I just really you know I want to see a, a good depiction of a Suicide Squad to kind of uh, cleanse my palate. I mean, the, I think the with best, the, the, we're the getting the James Gunn version too, you know, the sequel, which I think will course correct things uh, cinematically if we have 
cinemas. Yeah, I was, you know, I was you know say, like, in, the, in the movie, I was I saw it with a full cinema. It was in Sydney. It was like the premiere. One one laugh. There was one laugh that whole movie, and it's when that Australian guy like left the room and then he came back and the joke <laughs> was ruined. Can not you believe good, that? One laugh. It's not a good yeah. film. No, I was no. I was gonna say no, like for, yeah. Uh, I th- I think like the the. Again, that movie totally missed the mark of Suicide Squad. If they really nail the fact that this is like, I think James Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to be pretty like on on brand, which is that it's a bunch of it's a bunch of assholes who are stuck doing stuff together that they don't necessarily want to do. Except they're like, as opposed to like Guardians of the Galaxy, who are like kind of good at at heart. Like the Suicide Squad is like actual criminals who are just real horrible people, and they get sent off to do something that you know to work as a team. And like, I mean, the, the original the original comics are like they're just like completely shameless about just like killing people off. And it's great. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I definitely have hope for that. I've been enjoying the most recent run um, that I think Tom Taylor has been writing. Uh, I always confuse him and Tom King, which I know is a running joke with them on Twitter, but uh, I, yeah, I think there's a a way they could potentially do a really fun suicide squad game. And like you guys were saying, kind of redeem that franchise for a lot of people who only know the movie right now. Um, but yeah, that, I'm I'm really excited. Like we're days away from that, and it's kind of surreal after months and years of rumors about these two games. Just oh, they're they're going to be shown a few we, a few days. Um, but I, until we get there, I do kind of want to talk about Max. Do you want to do you want to do your top ten this week, or do you want to wait till we're back in full swing? I, I defer. Uh, to you. I could do it this week. I'm down. Okay, cool. Uh, so we had talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, we released our now that all the you know PS4 exclusives are out, as far as we know, we've released our uh, top twenty five PS four games on IGN you can check out the full list there and that's sort of a like a snapshot of the entire staff of IGN coming together to figure out what the top 25 PS4 games you should play are right now um, of course all of us have our own personal top 10s top 25s that could vary very wildly from that and I know people always want to know like what does that person secretly think of this list or what does their list look like what, what can we get more info out of that and so I kind of wanted we had all been talking on Slack and I think it's been a really great idea that everyone suggested of like let's all I'll bring our top tens to the show um, and sort of look at the snapshot of this generation because it's seven years of gaming. There's like a ton of great stuff that's come out. Uh, and so, Max, if you want to kick it off with your top ten, you haven't put this in the dock. It's going to be a total surprise. No, to it's, us. it's and you guys can all boo it or you can hiss or or cheer. <laughs> at I'm going to boo everything. Do it. Uh, but no, I, th- I think like this is also this is not this is not the top ten best PS4 games. These are my ten favorite PS4 games. I don't even Wrong. think they're really ranked. It's like I treated this like a I treated this like making a playlist or like a mix CD where I'm like, yeah, I like that, and that maybe these don't go together, but I want some variety. I want to mix it up, keep people really confused. Uh, and as like far it. as like how the sort of structure is, I would say in terms of it being. Uh, you know, like 10 being the worst on this list and one being the best, I would say it's really more of like a loose pyramid. Like if I took the games and kind of stacked them erratically to sort of balance them like a Jenga. So they're not, <laughs> there's no like hierarchy exactly, but these are the 10. Let's start this off. Uh, Watch Dogs 2. Um, this was, uh, I, I think specifically just because it's an area that I'm really familiar with. And it's like, it, you know, I've seen all sorts of space hallways and like weird, strange new worlds and, and various iterations of New York and sometimes Chicago and, you know, S- Southern California. But to see like a triple A video game set in San Francisco that managed to like actually resonate with me. And it was like weirdly lighthearted as far as like, you know, save the future hacker games kind of go. And it, it also like, 
I feel like now it just seems like wonderfully kind of like charming and naive. Um, yeah. Like it's very earnest, which was, which was sweet. And yeah, I don't know. I, I was a big fan of that game. I had a good time playing that. So I put that on there. The good one. Yeah. Yeah. I Your mean, list I think it's still wrong, but I, I think it's a good <laughs> yeah. list so far. I no, saw I mean, the- played it yet i i bought it on sale i think in like december or whatever and it, i've been sitting on it because you had all talked about it at like the end of the year shows that we did last year of like how much it stuck with you and i was so surprised to hear it so like i i definitely do want to check it out still it is, I, it is also just a wild experience to play in an open world that is a world that you actually physically exist in and one that you can't really enjoy right now too yeah. but yeah, however exactly. I, have, I have some bad news if you want to play this game and experience the thrill of wandering around San Francisco not wearing a mask you still have to wear a mask in this game because you are a <laughs> member of DeadSec and you must hide your identity from the smart cams Fair. alright so moving on uh, Battlefield 1 um, I never would have expected in a million years that I would get super into this game but I absolutely loved it despite having no previous enjoyment of like online multiplayer competitive military shooters or world war one really um i kind of cut my teeth on battlefront like i was like i like star wars i'll jump into this and then battlefield one came along and it was like this wonderful like weird sort of juxtaposition dichotomy of like you know this gritty like this the most tragic at the great war it's all like it's all dusty and and and, like and sad and like there's all these you know heroes and and then at the same time you've got this like uh, these quaint little wooden cars and like tr- and little horses and people are in like little trucks and then the announcer it's they're not doing that normal sort of aggro like you know like whiskey tango foxtrot we got to get alpha squad out of there asap or whatever instead there's this like kindly british woman being like team apples has taken point butter so that was <laughs> i don't know i was just, i was very into it it was also like it's just incredibly beautiful um, yeah. And that's one of those games that could have been just a bunch of grays and browns, but instead they were like, let's have the people kill each other in a poppy field. That's nice. <laughs> um, Marvel Spider-Man, obviously. Yeah. That's, a, that's a no-brainer. I don't think we even need to talk about that. Uh, but, surprise <laughs> twist. Moving on. Not my favorite open-world superhero game on this list, Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Ooh, that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. I was su- super-duper into that. Um it, I think it's it's one of these weird little things that's gonna it's gonna live in a bottle for a long time because that has a roster that has X Men, it has Spider Man, it has Fantastic Four, it has the Avengers, it has like bits and pieces from the MCU, but lined up with other things that exist in that horrible nebulous like rights argument that's happening between Marvel and Fox and Sony and Disney and all of those people. <laughs> uh, and it's just I don't know, like it's weird because as a kid I loved Lego and I loved X Men Marvel stuff and. I never played with them like that. Like I never was like, oh, it's it's Wolverine because there weren't any Wolverine figures. I'd play with my X-Men action figures or I'd play with Lego. And then they made this video game where it's like, guess what? Venom is riding on a zebra and he's hanging out with his friend Deadpool and they're going to go uh, fight Doctor Strange or whatever. So the first um, one is, <clears throat> sorry, just to cut in that first one is I think my favorite like Lego open world game. I love the old Star Wars ones, but yeah, that one is probably the funniest and like best open world to explore that one's excellent that one. yeah yeah that's so anybody who's who's curious about those I, I recommend that one um night in the woods is a very special game that i enjoyed a great deal and i, I think there's something um like i saw this at e3 when it was sort of first shown off and I'd, I'd seen like scott benson's cartoons and stuff online and then i checked this game out and i was like what and it was like the middle of the just the e3 show floor and i just picked up like a controller and i played this like quiet sad really charming, very funny 
game about sad animals and it was like really it was completely at odds with ever like everything else is like you know they're blaring dubstep and there's these like you know glossy triple a video games and then there's this is like this movie about a sad cat who's in town <laughs> after college and just like going around talking to people and it wasn't you know like i think it, it's it's we get these indie games that are like sad and breathy and very like you know like you know you get the gone homes and you get the edith finches and then you also get like the twee stuff where it's like oh the ooblets are back again or whatever and it's like it's rare to see these two things happening at once and i kind of adored that that it was like this is equal parts ghost world and richard scary so yeah it's uh, like it's, it's interesting i didn't i didn't expect you to say that but like now that you said it it's like i can see that being a a favorite game of yours like knowing you and knowing the types of games that you like that that very much fits yeah that game is it's very um it made me cry the sadness way but also made me laugh in the funny way which was good and that is my review of of the night in the woods uh and an an alien describing yeah uh (laughs) hi i have been doing this for one decade professionally i enjoyed it um, I like to eat using my mouth and get food inside. <laughs> the fork is the pointy one I use for stabbing the food, and the spoon <laughs> is the small bowl on the stick. Um, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. In my notes, I just say F-word, obviously, because that's a phenomenal, <laughs> borderline perfect video game that is just like... it. I I mean, Cyberpunk will be probably on this list if it does kind of any of the stuff that Witcher does, but that I just... I don't know, to, to equal, to deliver like equal parts of like, you want to tell a story, you want to give people freedom to explore and you want to have like a game that's doing stuff that is also takes time to be funny and silly, but also takes time to be serious and has you saving the world. It's like, it's just, it just hits all the check mark, uh, check marks on the, on the list without having to uh, ever feel perfunctory, you know, like it, you know, um, jumping back again uh, to the indie side of things, jazz punk, um, Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I'm friends with the, one of the guys who made this, Luis Hernandez, who we've had on the show before. Uh, but I became friends with him because I liked the kind of game he was making, which was this weird combination of like, basically, if you were inside a, a Mad Magazine um, or or like an old Leslie Nielsen parody type of movie, except it's set in this wonderful like Brazil, Terry Gilliam, cyberpunk, uh, like Ren and Stimpy influenced uh, dystopian setup, which was just again, it's like a, a wonderful combination of things. Like there's, there aren't, there aren't any other games exactly like this. Like it's totally its own thing. So um, very special, very special game. Um, Yakuza Kiwami 2. We're, now we're getting to the part where it's the bottom of the pyramid where the games are all on equal ground and they're, okay. they're supporting the rest of the games because it's the special ones. Mm. But uh, I mean, if you haven't ever heard the show before, I enjoy the Yakuza games and that is easily <laughs> the biggest mm. thing I got into this, this generation. So uh it was really hard to pick one all-around favorite, but I think Kiwami 2 is is the best mix of, like, modern gameplay, but also, like, being silly, but also being kind of serious sometimes, and just, just having all the all the piece, bits and pieces I enjoy. But those games are all very fun, and I'm happy I discovered them. And I, I, I've been getting a few people here and there hitting me up on Twitter being like, hey, I finally checked out that game you've been talking about for three years, and it's, <laughs> I, it's a good game. Thank you for recommending it. So, um. And now, uh, 2015 was a good year for games. Good God. Uh, Bloodborne. <laughs> yes, of which course. Is, which Never I heard mean, of it. We've, we've all talked about this. It's just yeah. such a good game. It's so good. Uh, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy I finally gave it a shot and got into it. I still haven't beaten it. I've gotten, like, there's, there's, I've, I'm at 
I met the last boss of the DLC and I met the last boss of the main game and I they have um they have kicked my ass both of them and so I'm just sort of like well it's I'm sort of dropping the ball at the bottom of the ninth there. Just really <laughs> let it uh, one of these days I'll kill that awful beach boy, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. Um, and that then guy. finally metal gear solid five, the phantom pain, a beautiful, wonderful, just immaculate, just an almost masterpiece that they was basically unfinished, but is just, I, I remember walking around listening to Kim Wilde and other pop artists from the eighties and being like, somebody should pair this with like very serious, 1980s uh anime mecca and then we got a video game where you can rescue kim wilde tapes from like a a a weird prison camp while riding around in a small robot with legs on it and then you fight a bigger robot and it's just that i don't know it's i've always loved metal gear and this was like hey here's the sandbox version with literal sandstorms (laughs) uh hell yeah that's a that's a great game and i'm I, i i have dreams about it like i think about it all the time still i love that game and it's it's sad that we never got like the final the final chapter the way it was supposed to be and it's sad that we're probably gonna never never get another kojima metal gear game and i don't god only knows what happens with that but like hey kojima gonna... dropped the ball in the bottom of the knife it happens <laughs> there it is yeah so those are those are my 10 my 10 favorite ps4 games of the ps4 that's, that's a great, great that's a, that's a great list that's yeah. a very 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 good list Max. yeah and i love how i think indicative it is of this generation and just how varied it's been um like there's just been both a lot of experimentation a lot of like amazing triple a the biggest open worlds you can imagine and like the most um variability when you get to play games and then also a very like very focused very linear story detailed uh, experiences but that can just be as impactful in different ways and some cool indie stuff too. I dig it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to. Sh- I'm gonna have to like surprise you guys because I have a feeling that if I don't like sort of think outside the box, then my list is gonna look very, very similar to Brian's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking about that. <laughs> well, we'll we'll flip a coin to see which of you goes first uh, okay. after that. But we we all have a few weeks to think about it uh, before we get back to another ten. But uh, thank you, Max, for sharing that. It's definitely uh, an awesome list, and I think very much speaks to both a lot of the conversations we've had on this show uh, about games we've talked about, but also maybe some we haven't talked about but makes so much sense uh to hear from you thanks for letting me write about some of my favorite games i just have like a notepad file where i just was like these are things i like these are great i like them a whole lot they're the best the end of course and i i definitely want to i think you know obviously this generation hasn't ended and we're going to be looking at a lot of games still coming out this fall for this generation of consoles so i think what we're going to do is kind of like at the end of the year take stock of our lists again and maybe revisit and see if we want to add or change anything uh based on what comes out at the end of this year but uh in terms of what we can you know talk about having played so far i did want to before we wrap up talk a little bit about what we've all been playing uh before the fall onrush hits because it's actually still pretty busy uh both for new games and older games we've been revisiting. Uh, Lucy, I know since we're a little short on time for you, I wanted to start with you. Uh, I know you had a few days away. Have you been playing anything, diving into anything? Or? Just been playing full guys. How um, many crowns do you have? I have zero. Zero, mm. zero crowns. I uh, haven't even got close to, haven't even been in a final round yet. Just Aww. really not good at that video game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still really enjoying it. Really, really having a blast with it. Um, I'm playing with my girlfriend who's much better at it than I am, even though she doesn't play games. I feel like it's like it's this mental block with me. I've sort of told myself that I'm crap. And then I just go in and fail because I'm like, I'm bad at this. And then I just, yeah. some jelly bean punts me off and I'm <laughs> in the slime or whatever. 
Um, but it's so delightful. It's so much fun and so stupid. And it's like exactly the kind of game that we need right now, that I need right now. So I will continue. I will probably never wear the crown, but I will continue nonetheless. I believe in you. When when you do get your first crown, we'll have to celebrate it on the show in some way. <laughs> oh, I will. But, uh, I will be messaging you all. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the stupid joys that come from playing that game. I've been playing a little bit every night, and I think I have maybe like two crowns only so far since it's come out. But it's one of those things where I just it's another ten minutes, and I'll play a few more rounds and see what crazy thing happens to me. It's it's been such a blast to have that. Uh, in this weird summertime where we can't go outside. It's basically like playing with a bunch of friends who you can't talk at uh, for, for 10, 15 minutes at a time. But uh, Max and Brian, I did want to ask you guys, you both started a game. Uh, the, it's not a new game, but you both started a game over the why, weekend. Why would, why would we play a new game? We yeah, play something that we didn't play when it came out and everyone else was talking about it, huh? Exactly. So what have you guys been playing? Brian? Uh. Well, I was going to talk about a new game I have been playing, but I can get to that afterwards. Yeah, um, we can talk about that. But in the meantime, I uh, went back into Dark Souls 3, and um, I think Max and I have like been quietly talking about this game for a while, but then Max started talking about it again recently, being like, I'm going to jump back into it. And I realized, I think I maybe played the first six or seven hours on Xbox, uh, which I got, I believe I got it through Game Pass, if I'm not mistaken, or I just, I might have just bought it full price a while back. Um, but then I realized I I platinum Bloodborne on PS4, and that I'm just I'm I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to controllers. But there's something that just feels right about playing a FromSoft game on a on a DualShock Four. And so um, Sony sent out these coupons that were like ten dollars uh, free to PlayStation Plus subscribers or certain ones or something to celebrate there being like ten years of PS Plus. And the game was fifteen bucks. Um, so I ended up rebuying it for $5, which was nice. And so now I just have it and I was like, Oh, you know, I'll dabble in it a little bit, fully hooked, just fully hooked all in Max and I are texting each other about it. Like I'm probably like three, four bosses down now, like 10, 11 hours in taking my sweet time, kind of taking it all in tiptoeing around, exploring it. Um, I'm trying to do everything I can to make it feel the most bloodborne which you can really do with this game. You can, um, with your character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't want to, like, mansplain this game to people who have been adoring it for years. But if you're like me and you skipped it, or like Max and you skipped it, and you're a big Bloodborne guy uh, or girl, there's a good opportunity here to, like, find something that is pretty similar. There's a lot of stuff that happens pretty early on in a lot of areas and environments that feel very bloodborne which I really, really appreciate. I really, so the thing I, I realized I, I enjoy most about these games is just the, is the setting. Like I like the exploration. I like the architecture. And I like that there's sort of, it's, I know some people just totally get off on fighting like scary, tough bosses. I actually sort of hate that. And I think it's a chore and I'll regularly get stuck on them. But like, I really love just sort of tiptoeing around corners and having just enough of like, a fear of what's out there that you're going to be like, oh, what happens next? And I was, I don't know. I talked to like a friend of mine who loves all the souls games was like, uh, he's like, Oh, I know you should have played the first one. The first one's one where you're opening all the doors and climbing ladders and stuff. And I was like, Oh no, I hope this isn't, you know, a disappointment in some way. And it's like, totally not like, it's completely what I wanted. It's just more of a messed up world to go creep around in. And like, I also really, really appreciate how frequent the bonfires are, which I feel like is way more forgiving than bloodborne was like, in terms of lanterns and stuff and also I think just, that's like one of the general sentiments around this game from like the hardcore fans is that it is a bit easy um compared to 
I mean, uh, compared to some of the earlier ones. I did. It breaks I pop- my heart because I had to stop playing Dark Souls 3 because like, I got stuck and couldn't beat this one boss and haven't gone back to it since. Yeah, I think I put like 20, 30 hours into the first game um, when they remastered it a few years ago. And I totally dig it. It just it just felt way too like kind of old school and clunky after playing so much Bloodborne. But yeah, Max, like this this one I think is like, is a is a is a nice balance it's it's less sort of you know a nightmare puppet monster horror horse skeleton stuff and more medieval fantasy which is in general has never really been my thing but i'm totally with you in like the settings the environments are 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 just gorgeous they There's do definitely that fantastic some nightmare thing. have you met those oh, big yeah. crabs yeah 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 they're awful good lord yeah, they're not good they're not good oh, at all i don't uh, like yeah. them yeah but yeah no i'm having a great time with it and i'm also like it made me realize like oh i like i don't i don't know if i'll wind up beating this or just kind of spend a bunch of time with it and, and you know like i you can i know that i that's like a, a just a, a badge of shame that most dark souls people would never wear but like you can enjoy a game without beating it you know like you can have a great time just being in a world and poking around and like i kind of i don't know it makes me just really excited to for whatever the hell elden ring is and for when demon souls gets its its big overhaul mm-hmm. i don't know if you don't platinum a game i don't think it counts so. i agree I agree. Actually, I will say that the happiest I've been this year, and that's a really low bar, is uh, <laughs> is getting a platinum in Bloodborne. Bloodborne, and that's why I'm really glad I'm playing this because I, I I was like uh, I think my like something came up where I remembered that I got the platinum in that game, and I was like, oh, I was so happy that day, and I wish I had saved that for this shit <laughs> where it's <laughs> where it's much worse. Uh, you know, five six months into being locked indoors, and I. Uh, started playing this game and I'm like, okay, this is what I need right now. This is, this is exactly what I want. Uh, but speaking yeah. of which I'm playing another game that new if game. you, yeah. if a new game uh, that if you have played through all the FromSoft games and you're looking for something a little more, uh, mortal shell, uh, I believe just came out and it's on PS4. It's 30 bucks. It is, I would say a pared down, uh, souls like sort of like a, um, a, a, a sort of like slightly smaller scale, slightly low budget, uh, miniaturized from soft game. And I really, really dig it. I think it does just enough to familiarize people. That's a tough word with, uh, uh the sort of mechanics that they've, they've been dealing with before in these games, but also bringing some really interesting new things to it. Um, basically the caveat is that you're this sort of like weird Prometheus looking pale skeletal soul thing. And you can in, inhabit, these shells, which are bodies, which you can then upgrade and you can find different shells in the wild. There are different weapons you can get. Um, there's essentially its answer to bonfires and a bunch of other things. But the thing I really like about this game is that uh, it really um, not only nudges you towards exploration, but uh, it rewards you for using items over and over again. Um, the more you do, the more knowledge you unlock about them. And these are sort of inherently obtuse games by design in this genre. And so I, I like the idea of like just eating nine mushrooms and almost dying. And all of a sudden the thing's like, oh, here's what that did to you. And here's how I can help you in the future. And you're like, oh, thanks. I didn't even have to go on like game facts. Like you just, <laughs> you rewarded me through experience. Um, from what I've heard, I'm probably about seven, eight hours in. It's It's a 20 hour game. Um, and it does, I guess, get fairly easier the better you get at it, as do a lot of these games. But I think for some hardcore Soul, Soul, Soulsborne fans, um, it's not really at that same challenge level. But I do think there's a lot here to like. Like I said, it's it's discount priced. So um, if you're looking for something to hold you over until Elden Ring and 
and uh, Demon Souls, like totally check this game out. It's super, super cool. Made by a small team, small developers. It was one of the, like the sort of like uh, premier games of IGN's summer of gaming. Um, and it was really cool to give that game some shine. So yeah, definitely check it out. Combat's great. Uh, the world design's awesome. It's the, the characters and enemies are, are gross and nasty and icky, uh, which is exactly what you're looking for in a game like this. So yeah, <laughs> go support. Yeah, I, uh, Lucy, do you have to head out? I do. I am oh, so God. sorry I have to bounce no, early. No problem. Um, but it has been a delight, as always, talking about wet monsters with you all. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Lucy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, yeah, no, I started playing Mortal Shell. I think I'm way earlier, for sure. I'm only a couple hours in. But I, one thing I noticed, because obviously my only Soulsborne experience is playing a couple hours of Bloodborne with you guys, <laughs> is at the very least, like, getting used to a somewhat different system like there there are these shared features and you know shared mentalities for sure but like even using the the big thing they could do where you can harden your shell to block an attack and at first i completely forgot i had that ability because i just was like in the mindset of oh i played bloodborne i'll use my light and heavy attacks and whatever but it's like it can save your butt in the middle of a battle and it's also like you can harden yourself mid-swing so the enemy attacks you you deflect their attack and then you attack them before they can expect it and it's like it really does add this nice um dynamism to the fights that i just kind of forgot about for the first hour but it helps so much and it's such a fun little twist on it yeah and it's got this sort of um almost a sekiro style approach where you get killed and you get knocked out of your shell um and then you can keep fighting out of it or you can get back into it and it's got that kind of, you know, shadows die twice approach where you do, you do die two deaths and uh, it doesn't, just by the nature of that, it does feel like a little bit more forgiving, which I kind of dig. Um, it's not just like an instant kill. It doesn't immediately knock you out of your rhythm and knock your confidence down because you can go, okay, uh, I, like this dude whooped my ass, but I have an opportunity to get my thing back into the body. And the effect when you get knocked out is super, super cool. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that Dr. Strange scene where like yes. Tilda Swinton knocks him out and it's yep. like that slow. Yeah. I, it's so great. Cause I'll like, that'll happen to me and it's been happening to me a lot since I'm so early on, but then I'll just like try to distract the enemy by like running in circles and then do a big loop to get back <laughs> to my body. And then I'm like, it never happened. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. It's how, how's the sort of exploration and like how the world's broken down? Like, is it, it's cool and it's it's definitely it's it's very soulsborne in that it's um a little overwhelming at the beginning because you're just you, it just opens you up into like six different paths and the cool thing is is it there are these like moments where you can basically get a vision of the future and it'll show you like this weird you know blurry fly through of an environment that you haven't been to yet and there's something at the end of it that's interesting and it's kind of nudges you to go find it but you don't know exactly where that is and so <clears throat> I'm really enjoying right now, just like when I start playing, um, I pick a direction to walk in and I see what happens. And like, that's my favorite kind of storytelling in a, you know, sort of quasi open world ish video games like this. And then hearing some grunt or some evil monster <laughs> and turning the corner and be like, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Let's give it a shot. Oh, definitely not ready for it. Let's turn around and go the other way. Like I, I really love that approach. Yeah. It's a really cool philosophy. It's been like the when I first got into the area and I'm like, oh, it's just this swamp and I have no idea where to go and every tree looks like it's going to lead to the same place and it's all it, like I have no idea where to go but a couple hours in it's like, 
oh, I've been down that path and I know those six enemies will be down that way. Let me see what's down this path because I haven't gone down that fork in the road. You, you do really get like a, a great sense of learning and understanding the terrain because there is no map. So it is just like you need to internalize where you're going. I think that's, yeah. that's what I want. I want to check that out. It sounds great. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. you'll totally dig it after, after Dark Souls 3. I think it's, that's next up for you. I'll yeah, wait till it, I get stuck in Dark Souls 3 and then I'll <laughs> jump ship and go... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really cool. And like uh, Brian was saying, it's uh, thirty dollars. It's made by I think the team Cold Symmetry is like fifteen people. It's a small group of devs uh, who seem to really understand and get the genre from the reception I've seen. So yeah, I'm excited to keep going with that one. I also want to give a quick shout out to a completely different game that uh, Tom Marks reviewed. It's called Spirit Fair. Uh, it's out today on all platforms. He gave it a nine. You can go see his full review. <clears throat> Excuse me on IGN, but it is. It's funny because it deals with some similar subject matter to The Last of Us when it comes to like dealing with um, very serious topics. And I don't want to say more beyond <clears throat> to not spoil anything, but like it deals with serious topics, but in a very bright and cheerful and like warm way. Uh, like I really love it. And it's a really hard game to describe because it is part platformer, part like visual novel, part uh animal crossing town management simulator but if it was on a boat that you directed from location to location while you explore different places it is like so many genres mishmash together uh but it all works and it all it makes some smart choices where like there's your ship essentially you can add buildings and you can add things to it that kind of give you more jobs and things to do so it's like you can go cook or you can go grow crops but the game and the game has a day night cycle but it doesn't feel like in most games like that i have to maximize my time and make sure every second of every bit of the day is being used to its fullest potential the game is not like that it you have to like retrain your brain to be like okay it's stressful like i don't need to stress if i don't do everything in one day it's okay because there's no penalizing you for it it like really does let you explore the world and achieve the things you want to at your pace um and it, it it's a really nice calming happy meditative game which is a nice thing to have right now and very different from mortal shell I really want to check this one out. Um, yeah. I was reading Tom's review and I was like, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Between that and uh, that game, Raji. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, I, they were both, um, they're both kind of in that like Nindy's direct shape thing that happened earlier, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're all coming to PlayStation. So I'm, I'm totally into it. Yeah. And it's, what was really surprising about this one is it's longer than you would expect. It took Tom a little over 20 hours to beat. Um, so it's, we both were like going into it. Oh, it'll probably be like a six to eight hour game. It, it is long, but he said like the full experience, which I haven't played through is definitely worth it. Uh, and he left it a lot. It's definitely one of his favorite games of the year. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that one more as the year goes on. But, uh, I think that pretty much wraps us up for the week. Anything else you guys want to touch on that I forgot about before we sign off for a little while? Miss you. Yeah. Yeah, I miss miss you, man. Miss hanging out, talking about games is fun to do. Yeah. Hope we get to do it again. We we, next, we won't be in we won't be in the office together for a very long time. But yeah, N- next time we're on a couch, it'll be with plexiglass in between us while we're in full gowns and gloves and masks. I know. But. How is that going to like? How, like, if we get pizza, like we have to get three pizzas. We'll each have to just yeah. eat our own entire pizza. That's going to be really tough, you guys. What a shame! 
eat a whole pizza by myself <laughs> in the little box in front of my friend. <laughs> As we stare at each other, yeah. But the, the, the plexiglass is going to get so smudged from all the grease on our hands, <laughs> it's going to be real bad. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back there someday. But uh, I, I miss you guys too, and I'm glad we still get to do this show in this form, if not you know, for the next couple of weeks back in September when the full onslaught of new fall games and probably, hopefully, PS5 news happens at some point soon. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for joining me for this episode. Thank you to Lucy, who is, uh, who had to leave a few minutes early, but, uh, thank you again to everyone who's listening or watching. Again, if you forgot by the time you've listened to this episode, we're off for a couple of weeks, but we'll be back in September unless PS5 news happens, in which case we'll try to make an emergency episode happen. But, uh, thank you. In the meantime, please go check out all of our IGN Gamescom coverage, uh, Max and Brian have a large hand in it. I'll be helping on the news side of it. It's going to be a huge, all the hands, uh, it's going to be a huge full scale, all of IGN production. Uh, so definitely check out all the coverage we have coming. Uh, anything else you guys want to tell before we sign off? No. Cool. No, no, no. Works for me. Uh, <laughs> makes it easy. Yeah. Don't forget to check out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll insert plugs if anything happens in the next 12 hours. But uh, anyway, otherwise you can find us on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Max is at Max Scoville. And Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. Otherwise, Beyond will be back in September, uh, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.igm.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching this episode. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And we hope, uh, you, we hope you have a few good weeks in the meantime while we're gone. But uh, we'll see you soon. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.